Erev Tov, everybody. Welcome to a special edition of our Monday night shiur. Tonight we are taking a little break from the book of Mishle, Ashiyah. We've been doing the last few Monday nights to talk about Purim, the holiday just around the corner. Coming to us this Thursday night and Friday, it spells the last couple of weeks we also spoke about um, the Chodesh Adar and some of the significance that comes along with it. Tonight's shiur is sponsored by Mr. and Mrs. Maurice Buzaglo in memory of his dear mother, Mrs. Esther Buzaglo Zichronali Bracha. May the words of Torah that we say tonight, the inspiration that we gain and we deliver, be a aliyah to her neshama, sitting up in Shamaim, protecting all of Klal Yisrael. The topic tonight is miracles, the concept of Nisim. No question that Chodesh Adar is a month mesugal for Nisim, as well as Chodesh Nisan that's coming up after. The Mazal is with us. It is a great month to endeavor and engage in, in projects, and we are encouraged by our Chachamim that Chodesh Adar is a month that we should pursue any of our life goals, because so many miracles took place in this month as well. Finding miracles. Where do we find the miracles? Well, let's start with Megillat Esther, since that's what we're going to be talking greatly about tonight. Shuchan Aruch has a very interesting halacha. Halacha is found in Orach Haim, in Siman 690, halacha 3. The halacha says, Tzarich likrota kula. You have to read the entire Megillah. That's the obligation. The whole, the whole Megillah must be read. The Mishnah Berurah there states, according to most poskim, if you didn't hear even one word of the Megillah, you're not Yotze. You didn't fulfill the obligation. Why? Why is this so? One word, I miss a word, I miss a letter. What's so important? It's not a mitzvah de oraita. It's not something that is... If I miss a word of the Haggadah, I still fulfill my... My obligation of Sipur Yetziyat Mitzrayim, but I don't hear one word of the Megillah, and I don't, and I miss it all. What's going on here? So Mefarshim explained that the reason is because every pasuk and every word of the Megillah expresses another angle of the miracle. So when you read the Megillah, you have to be aware that no word is extra, even the beginning of the Megillah. The beginning of the Megillah that deals with Ahasuerus' vast wealth and power is also part of the great miracle that occurred to the Jewish nation. Let me give you an example. The Mishnah begins, Keshevet As the king Ahasuerus sat on his throne, which was in the capital city of Shushan. This pasuk, on face level, seems to just be telling us a fact. Ahasuerus sitting on his throne in Shushan. This pasuk says the Vilna Gaon is also hinting to an aspect of a miracle. The Midashim explained that Achashverosh's throne was a replica of the Kiseh of Shlomo HaMelech. Achashverosh wanted to sit on that throne. Truth is, there were many kings that tried to sit on Shlomo HaMelech's majestic uh, throne, but they failed. Paro Nake, Paro the lame, sat down on Shlomo HaMelech's throne, and one of the lions, lions that was decor, decorated on the throne 
came to life and bit him, and that's how he became lame. Nebuchadnezzar also tried sitting on that throne, and he failed. So Hasferos said, let me just build or create a replica of the throne. So now, the craftsmen knew how to build the majestic chair. Uh, they lived in Shushan. And when it was completed, when the chair was done, it was too heavy to move. So Ahasuerus moved from his home in Persia all the way to Shushan, and that became the new capital of the Persian Empire. <clears throat> it took three years to build that throne. And it had to be built in Shushan because it was too heavy to move. The throne was enormous. And it was impossible to export to Babel, where maybe all the other kings were living at the time. So Ahasuerus moved his capital city to Shushan. Only Ahasuerus lived in Shushan. Every other previous king lived in Babel and other cities, capital cities across the empire. Only Ahasuerus lived in Shushan. And why is it written in the Megillah? Because we have to recognize how HaKadosh Baruch Hu prepared the miracle for Bnei Israel. Mordechai and Esther lived in Shushan. That's all that mattered. And because they lived in Shushan, HaKadosh Baruch Hu had to arrange Ahasuerus, move his capital from whatever city in Persia or wherever in Babel the other kings lived, to Shushan. When Haman made his evil decrees, Mordechai and Esther were nearby. And that enabled them to begin the process to attempt to thwart Haman's evil plans. It also tells, shows us how much HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves our tzaddikim in the Jewish nation. HaKadosh Baruch Hu could have had Mordechai and Esther move to the capital city of Babel, again, where the previous kings were living. Uh, uh, all the Persian kings were living at the time. But Hashem preferred Ahasuerus move his government to Shushan and endure that toil of shifting all of his possessions to a new city and a new capital rather than to have Mordechai and Esther move to Babel. So what do we see from here? We see that each pasuk in the Megillah, Rabotai, reveals more details that led up to the miracle. Vilna Gon is famous for writing that every pasuk in the Megillah is a miracle on its own. The Alshicha Kadosh elaborates on the spectacular timing of events that occurred in the Megillah. Of course, probably none more, more famous than in the middle of the night, Ahasuerus couldn't sleep. So his servant began to read Sefer HaZichronot, the book of Chronicles, and Mordechai saved Ahasuerus' life. But Mordechai was never rewarded for that act. So Ahasuerus sought an idea how to reward Mordechai, and just then, all of a sudden, Haman arrives. And he had come to tell Ahasuerus the Mordechai should be hung on the gallows. Ahasuerus asks Haman, how should we honor someone that the king wants to honor? Haman thought the king wanted to honor him, so he gave him the most lavish description of honor he could think of. Ahasuerus then told Haman to do exactly to Mordechai. I want you to think about this episode. We all heard the story. We all know about this climax part of the story. Think about it for a moment. How often did Haman come to Ahasuerus' palace in the middle of the night? Middle of the night. We can assume it wasn't very often. Both Ahasuerus and Haman were normal human beings that slept at night. That's normally what people do. Is they, they go to sleep at night. But this time, Haman came just at the right moment in the middle of the night. Had Haman arrived one minute earlier... 
he would know that the king wants to honor Mordechai and he wouldn't have offered such a generous idea. Had he come one minute later, the king would have already decided some reward for Mordechai. But no, he arrived just in time. And Mordechai was honored accordingly. Haman was humiliated. All these seemingly trivial events led up to the ultimate salvation of Klal Israel. There's a famous mashal brought by the Bnei Sashar, a mashal from early scholars about a certain individual that fell ill. And the doctor said to the family, listen, there is a cure to this sickness. And if we could give it to the patient, he can recover. The problem is, is that it's absolutely impossible for us to give it to him. The doctors explain, you see, the remedy is rare. There is the, it involves very, very costly herbs uh, in the east, in the islands off the Indian coast. The Indian government doesn't export these herbs to other lands because they want those, those, this, to treat their own ill of their own country. And no merchant and no tourist travels long distance from India to here. And although there's a cure, it's just impossible for us to give a relative. So the family re- re- replied and said, listen, we'll, we'll do whatever it takes. We'll hire someone to go to India to bring back the herbs. The doctor said, listen, that's very compassionate, devoted on your behalf. We totally understand that. But you have to realize it's a very dangerous trip. You have to cross stormy seas. You have to cross deserts. Many people who, who attempted this trek didn't survive. This trip can take years. By the time you get back, your relative will be in Alamaba in the next world. There's no chance. Not only that, the doctor said, even if we had the herbs right here, we don't really know how to prepare them. The herbs need to be mixed. They need to be cooked. They need to be prepared in a special way. No one in this country knows how to do that. There's a wise doctor who lives in the West, in Spain. He knows how to prepare this medicine. But to send someone to Spain, to bring the doctor here, that's also a long trip. That's also going to take years. So it isn't certain that the doctor himself is going to survive the trip because it's also a perilous route. So what do we do? Your relative doesn't have much time to live. There's absolutely no hope. The family, that's it. They prepared themselves for the inevitable. They ordered the shrouds. They bought a plot in the cemetery. They lost complete hope. As they were in the midst of making the preparations for the imminent death of their relative, they heard that a ship from the Indian coast had just docked and it was carrying the herbs that this ill person needed. They didn't get over the shock and then someone came to them and announced that the great doctor of Spain had just arrived and the doctor from Spain was called to the sick person's room. He prepared the herbs and the ill person recovered. In this mashal, in this story, nothing supernatural occurred. Everything could be explained by the rules of nature. However, it is obvious that a very, very huge miracle happened. Exactly the moment the ill person needed the doctor and the herbs, they arrived. Everyone understood that Hashem arranged it so that the sick person could get over his illness. Only a fool would think that it happened by chance. The miracle of Purim is the same. As everything that happened could be explained according to nature, but when one sees the entire episode from a bird's eye view, he sees without doubt that Akadosh Baruch Hu was the one to perform the miracle. There are so many more miracles found in the Megillah. The Malbim asks, isn't it strange that Achaz Feroz didn't reward Mordechai right away when Mordechai saved his life? Why wait? He saved your life. 
Reward him right away. What happened? He forget? Let's think about what would happen if Haman arrived just one day earlier to request permission to hang Mordechai on the gallows. Achashverosh would probably agree. Achashverosh didn't harbor too much love for the Jews. We know that. The Gemara Masechet Megillah Dafyudalid says that Haman and Achashverosh can be compared to two people. One of them has a large ditch in his field and the other one has a high mound of earth. And they're both seeking solutions to fix their field so that they can plant there. The person with the ditch says to himself, if I can buy my friend's mound of earth, I could fill my ditch. And the other one's thinking, if I can fill my friend's ditch, I can get rid of all my dirt. And once they were going to see each other, each one hoping to buy from the other, and they met in the middle. The one who said the ditch said, please sell me your earth. The other one says, no, have it for free. That's exactly what I wanted to. So Gibran uses this as a mashal to explain the ideas of Haman and Achasverosh. Haman wanted to give Achasverosh money for the right to destroy the Jews. Achasverosh replies, Hakesef natunlach. <laughs> Keep your money. Your desire is the same as mine. But Haman came just at the right time so that the miracle could occur. So when we read the Megillah, it is our obligation to keep our hearts and our mind alert to recognize the miracles. Every word is another stage in the miracle. Be astounded by what's happening in the story, by the miracles that Hashem performs within the rules of nature to save Klal Yisrael. Rav Yonatan Aibshitz, Zecher Tzadik Livracha, once famously wrote, not to think, never to think, that Megillat Esther is a history book telling stories that happened to our forefathers. If that was the whole purpose of the Megillah, why would we ob- be obligated to read it twice? We should just read it once. But we're obligated to read it twice. Baruch Hashem, everybody knows the story already. Children make plays every year, acting out what happened. They dress up. Purim is one of the most well-known stories, not just amongst Jewish children, but even amongst the non-Jews, a lot of people know the story of Haman and Mordechai and Esther. But he says the main purpose of reading the Megillah is for us to internalize and appreciate the nisim that Hashem performed for our nation. For our nation, there are so many secrets found in the Megillah. It's called Megillat Esther because Esther translates as the hidden Megillah. Lehastir means to hide. It contains sitres setari ma'aseh bereshitimod. Many secret creation, uh, 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 hidden secrets of ma'aseh bereshit, of creation. The Megillah can be studied also as a mashal, discussing the battle and the struggle between Bnei Israel and the Yetzer Hara. There are many Musar lessons, ethical lessons in the Megillah, which teach us how to live. It's certainly incorrect to think that the Megillah is just an historical account. Think about a spy in a foreign country, in an enemy country, and has to report what he finds in code. He won't write things clearly because that letter might be intercepted. So he writes it in a roundabout way. And the government readers in the foreign land uh, uh, know how to read between the lines. They make sense of the message. They understand the message. That's the mashal. For the Megillah, it's filled with secrets. It's filled with divine lessons. A person has to look closely to find those messages that Hashem wants him to, to know. 
And that's why near the end of the Megillah, what does the Pasuk say? V'chol ma'aseh tokpo u'gvurato u'parashat Mordechai. The deeds and the greatness of Mordechai, halohem ketuvim, are written al sefer divrei ayamim lemalchem adai u'paras. They're written in the book of Chronicles of the kings of Madai, Media, and Persia. Rav Abramsky, Zecher Tzadik Livracha, explains that the Megillah says, if you want to study history, go open up Divrei Ayamim Lemalchem Adayu Paras. Go open up the history books and you'll see all about the, what, what happened in the government and, and the politicians in the times of those kings. And Mordechai was a part of it. The purpose of the Megillah is to teach us much more. There are several proofs, the Gemara says, that Megillat Esther was written Beruach HaKodesh, and therefore we know with certainty that every word is precious and the lessons are eternal. The Khatam Sofer writes, the Torah was given to us Be'ones. It was forced upon us. We know Har Sinai was raised over Klal Yisrael's heads, and had they not accepted the Torah, they would have been buried under the mountain. But in the days of Mordechai and Esther, Kimu Kiblu HaYehudim, the Jews accepted it with love. And therefore, the Kedushah of the Megillah in many ways, Yoter Gadol Venichbad Mitorateno Kedushah Be'atzma, even greater than the holiness of the Torah itself, because it was accepted with full Ahava. Since the Megillah is so holy, a person should listen to it with awe, with passion. A person has to have that fiery drive in his lev. He has to concentrate at the time of, of the reading and say, I'm now fulfilling a mitzvah, one of the great mitzvot of the Rabbanan. What was, was, that's fine, it's past, but from now on I accept all of Hashem's mitzvot. The Bet Aaron explains that tzaddikim see the future from just reading the Megillah. They can see everything that's going to happen that year. It's worthwhile for a person to live 70 years and go through all of the hardships in life if only he heard the Megillah once. That's what some of our Chachamim say. Fortunate are those who merited he- hearing some of the great, great tzaddikim of the yesteryear read the Megillah. They would get to the words, the powerful words, the words of Eser Amalka, telling Mordechai, but I wasn't called. How can I go to save the Jewish people? I'm risking my life. Is it worth it? I wasn't called to come to the king. And he would cry when he said these words. Not only in reference to Mordechai, to Esther, sorry, but also maybe Lavoel Amelech, I wasn't called. Maybe he felt he was deficient. Maybe he felt that Tzadikim felt that they themselves are not worthy to go to the king, King Akadosh Paruchu. Mordechai lo lo The tears of joy, saying to ourselves, here's a man that gave, that risked his life. I will not bow down. It will not happen. This is something that we have to think about. When we read the Megillah, the Midrash tells us that Haman had 365 advisors, one for every day of the year. But none of them knew how to advise him as well as his wife, Zeresh. Zeresh said, if Mordechai is a Jew, you have to plot wisely how to kill him or how to defeat him. Because if you don't, you're going to fail. And you got to kill him in a way that was never experienced by his nation before. What did she mean? The Midrash says, if you th- she, she told Haman, if you throw him into a furnace, then Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, who were also thrown in the furnace early on in Jewish history, then 
they, they were already saved. So you know that's not going to work. If you throw them amongst the lions, Daniel was saved by the lion, uh, from the lions. So you know that's not going to work. If you put him in jail, Yosef was liberated from jail. So that's not going to work. If you try to light him in a pot, boiling pot of, uh, of copper and metal, that's also not going to work because King Menashe prayed to Hashem and he was saved. If you exile him to the desert, Mordechai's ancestors lived in the desert and they were successful there. So that's not going to work. If you blind him, nah, Shimshon, he was blind and he still beat the Plishtim. So what did she tell Aman? Hang him. Because nobody, we don't know anybody from his nation that was saved from hanging. So that's why the Pasuk says, So Aman agreed with the plan and he built the gallows. There's a question here. This Midrash needs to be understood. Because what did Zeresh and Haman think at that moment? What was going through their head? Did they really think that Hashem can save people from all situations, but He can't save someone from being hung? Is that what's really going through all them? Oh yeah, lines then. Okay, we can't do that one. Uh, jail, we can't do that one. Furnace, we can't do Ah, the gallows. God won't save him from the gallows. So one of the answers I saw, brilliant. There's a process that Jews use to draw down Hashem's miracles. If a miracle her happened, occurred to the Jewish nation or a tzaddik, and people are able to speak about the incident, that same miracle will happen again. A hint of this is found in David HaMelech Teilim, Perk Samech. Natata lira'echa nes lehit noses. You give to those who fear you miracles, lehit noses, so they can make more miracles. They talk about Hashem's miracles of the past, and that causes more miracles to happen. So Zeresh told Haman the following, if you plan to throw Mordechai in a furnace, the Jews are just going to study the story of Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, who were saved from, a, from the furnace. And when they study that history, it will draw the power once again from God to save Mordechai from the furnace. If you do, if you throw him in the lion den, well, that's what's going to happen. They're going to study the story of Daniel being saved from the lion's den. And again, and then Mordechai is going to be saved. So therefore, you have to harm Mordechai in a way so that they will not have a precedent to draw down a second miracle. So the Holy Sepharim tell us that the uniqueness of the Purim miracle is that it happened within the rules of nature. When we read and we study the Megillah, that enables us for the miracles to happen again. By us listening to the Megillah year after year, that's what's happening. Vehayamim ha'ele nizkarim v'na'asim, the Megillah says towards the end. These days are remembered v'na'asim. What's it v'na'asim? And happen. Our rabbis tell us, when we remember the miracles, when we speak about the nisim v'niflaot, they happen. They happen again. And each year miracles happen for the Jewish nation because of Megillat Esther. Every year there's a v'nahafochu. And Hashem saves us just as it was in those days. And here are some examples. Chachamim write, we are saved every year because we read the Megillah and because we give Matanot Yonim. Every mitzvah is related to time. And when the time for that mitzvah comes, 
it rouses the matter that occurred at that moment when the mitzvah was commanded. What is the time for Purim? Purim is the time for Mapalat Amalek, the downfall of Amalek. And therefore now and in every generation, the Rishayim of the world, the Amalek of the world, would have their downfall during this month. And that's why, again, we are encouraged to fight, if, if need be, in Chodesh Adar, to go to court in Chodesh Adar, because it's a downfall of our enemies. The Megillah begins with the word Vayhi. Vayhi is an expression of distress and ends with what? V'dover shalom nechol zaro. An expression of joy. If we are in distress before reading the Megillah, after the reading, reading of Megillah, there's Yeshuot and there's joy. We don't say Hallel on Purim. One of the reasons that the Megillah says, the Masechet Megillah says, why don't we read Hallel if it's such a holiday? Because Kriyata Zuhilula. The reading of the Megillah is like the Hallel. So we add the reading of Megillah is like a prayer for all of our needs and our salvation. That's why it's so important. The Gemara Moed Katan again tells us, Amarava, Chaye Bane Umzone, Talia. Life, children, and Parnasa aren't dependent on one's merits. Ela Bemazala Talia Milta. But rather they're dependent on one's Mazal. I'm not going to get into the statement of, of the Gemara. It's a very, very deep, profound statement. But our rabbis tell us that the gematria of the word Megillah is the same as Mazala. That through the Megillah, a person can reach, can attain the Yeshuot that are dependent on one's Mazal. Because reading the Megillah is Mesugal for life, it's Mesugal for children, it's Mesugal for Parnassah. That's why we say, La Yehudim Haita Ora Vesimcha Vesason Vikar. There was a lot of joy and happiness in the Jewish, uh, for the Jewish nation. What about us? Does that apply for us too in today's generation? What is the law if there's a Brit Milan Purim? So the halacha states that if there's a Brit Milan Purim, the Brit Milan should be performed before the reading of the Megillah. Why is it done before the reading of the Megillah? Because when we read La Yehudim Haita Ora Vesimcha Vesason Vikar, we want this pasuk to apply to the newborn. We want this pasuk to apply to the child, to the boy that just had the Brit Milah. Now, the child is still a Jew even before the Brit Milah. The Brit Milah just confirms it. But the child receives the title Yehudi after the Brit Milah. And therefore, La Yehudim Haita Ora Vesimcha is also for us. It's also for that little boy. The light, the joy, the happiness will happen to us in that day as well. I read an amazing story that I want to share with you to really, really make us understand how powerful this reading of the Megillah is that we're going to do Thursday night and Friday, Mir Hashem. The story takes place with the fourth Gera Rebbe of Abraham Moldechai Alter. He passed away in the 1940s. And he said that this that it happened to a a young a, a young bahur um, in in this city. But according to everybody, he was referring to himself. He was just too humble and he didn't want to say um, who who it was. So he said some some person, but really meant himself. He said once on Pesach, after the second seder, they, it was in Europe, so they celebrated two nights of sederim. He went to the bookcase. And he randomly took out a book. Why? I don't know. 
But which book did he take out? He took out Megillat Esther. After the second Seder on Pesach. And he read the entire Megillah and he studied it. When he finished, a neshama came to him, a soul, some sort of feeling, came to him and told him the following. After one's death, it takes a year before the neshama goes to Gan Eden. In fact, that is alluded to in Megillat Esther. Where it says Shisha Chodashim b'Shem and Amor v'Shisha Chodashim b'Besamim, six months and six months. That's the rising of the Neshama, and then finally Ubazea Naara Ba'el Amelech. Only after twelve months, the Naara, in reference to the soul Ba'el Amelech, goes to the king, goes to Gan Eden. Sometimes, this Neshama told the Ger Rebbe. Sometimes, even after twelve months, there it's not enough. They go to Gan Eden and they see the gates closed. Because the gates of Gan Eden aren't always open. But they open when the Jews read the Megillah. So the Neshama kept on talking to the Ger Rebbe and said, Every year on Purim, when the Megillah is read, Neshamot line up and wait their turn to enter Gan Eden. And I also wait in line. But the gates always close just when it's my turn to go into Gan Eden. This has been going on year after year. Miskan of the Neshama must have had a very, very rough life. So the Neshama said, I decided that I'm going to wait all year by the gates of Gan Eden, so I'm first. When the Megillah is read, I'll be first in line. And I'll be able to enter. And it was just a month after the Megillah. Remember, this is Pesach, so it's a month after Purim. And I'm lining up. I'm waiting here for the year. And I hear you read the Megillah. So I knew that the gates of Gan Eden are going to open. So I immediately knocked on the gates of Gan Eden and requested permission to come inside because the Megillah was being read. So the angels at the door told me, you're right, the Megillah is read right now. But it's not Purim. It's Pesach. You got 11 months to go. The Shema insisted. What are you talking about? I don't care. The Megillah is read. Open the doors. I want to go in. So the issue was debated in Shamaim. And the case was brought before Beddin Shelmala. And the Beddin ruled that if the Imre Yosef, the Ger Rebbe, donates the merit, the Zechut, of him reading the Megillah to this Neshama, the Neshama will be permitted to enter Gan Eden. And the Neshama explained to the Imre Emet, the Ger Rebbe, I'm here to you, asking you, please give me the merit of the reading of your Megillah so that I can enter Gan Eden. And of course, the Imre Emet did so, and the Neshama went to Gan Eden. Unbelievable story. Every year, when we read the Megillah, did we know, do we know, that the gates of Gan Eden are open? So this is a time of tefillah, of attaining all types of yeshuot. The Kava Yashar writes, you need to know that there's a new world in Shamaim that is extremely holy. It's a world that only reveals itself once a year, and it reveals itself, it begins to reveal itself when the Megillah is read. The origin of Mordechai's nesh, Mordechai Neshama comes from this world, and we rouse God's compassion and His mercy that this world should be become revealed in the light that's meant to be seen by everybody who reads it.
Many things are happening in the world. This year, more than usual. The news reporters, they don't really know what to highlight anymore because so much is happening. Never think that what is taking place is insignificant. Everything is planned. There will come a time, hopefully very soon, when we will see all the wonderful miracles that God is preparing for us. One of the great divrei chizuk of the Baal Shem Tov explains, explaining a line in the Mishnayot of Megillah. The Mishnah writes, Hakore et Megillah lemafreya lo yatsa. Literally, it means that if a person reads the Megillah out of order, he doesn't fulfill the mitzvah. So if I read uh, the 10th chapter, and then the 2nd chapter, and then the 5th chapter, and then the 3rd chapter, even though I complete it all, but it's not in order, lo yatsa. I don't fulfill the mitzvah. Says the Baal Shem Tov. What does this mean? One who reads the Megillah and he praises God for the miracles he performed for us in the past and doesn't acknowledge that Hashem is also doing miracles for us in the present, lo yatsa. He doesn't properly fulfill the mitzvah of reading Megillat Esther because he missed the critical point that God is performing miracles for us to today. On February 22nd, 2021, today he's performing miracles. When the miracle was occurring to Mordechai and to Esther, what did the average person think at the time? They didn't even realize what was going on. Someone ran into the synagogue and said, Hey, do you guys hear the latest news? Vashti was killed because she didn't go to Achashverosh's party. I can imagine people sitting over there. Ah, okay, leave me alone. Why do I need to know about Vashti? And I care about this, uh, this, this lady. She's crazy, anyways. All I hear is the, you know, tabloids and this. I don't, I don't need to know about Vashti. No, I want to learn Gemara. I want to learn Mishnah. Leave me alone about Vashti and Achasveros. A few moments later, or a few days later, someone comes into the shul. Ben does. Hey, you guys heard the latest? What happened? You in here? Big Tan and Tenish. They were hung. Went against the king. Ah, leave me alone. So what? There's just so many other people that work for the king. I think two people got hung. Okay, good. Shalom, Israel. Have fun. Enjoy time in the next world. Ah, so what? What do I care? We only want to Gemara. We only want to Tosvot. These episodes formed the Megillah. All these events were part of one large miracle. The same is happening right now. In every generation, Hashem is preparing miracles for us. And everything that is happening is part of God's wondrous plan. There are many things that we must do on Purim. Mishloch Manot, Seudat Purim. For some people, hearing the Megillah is something that they just want to get over with. As quickly as possible. So they can get to the other parts of the holiday. Come on, let's go. Come on, Rabbi, let's go faster, faster, faster. All that Chazani was singing way too long. Come on, we have a seuda, we got to do a mishloch manot. That's not the ideal attitude. The t- one translation of lemafreya, lemafreya lipara, lipara means to pay up a debt. And therefore, back to that line in the Mishnah, hakoreta megillah lemafreya lo yatsa. If you read the megillah just to pay up your debt, if you read the Megillah, just so you can get rid of your obligation to hear the Megillah, lo yatsa, 
you didn't fulfill the mitzvah properly. You have to read the Megillah with love and joy, with appreciation for the mitzvah and for the miracles, the miracles that occurred. The Khatam Sofer writes, many things happen in this world. And we wonder, why is Hashem doing this? But years later, we look back and we understand that everything had a purpose. For us right now, things may seem unimportant or trivial, and we discover years later something very good came from it. This is what happened in the story of Purim. Vashti was killed. Esther was brought to the palace. All the countless details that led up to this great miracle of Klal Israel, As Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu in Parashat Kitisa, we're going to read in a couple of weeks, You will see my back, but you won't see my face. We only understand Hashem's ways when we look back. Then we see everything was chesed. Everything was for our good. But when things occur, we don't always understand why Hashem is doing it that way. Even goyim are capable of recognizing Hashem's kindness when they look back. What does the Megillah say at the end? Many Gentiles were converting. In retrospect, they saw all of God's miracles and converted to Judaism. But Jews need to believe in Hashem even before the puzzle is complete. Back to that line. Maybe we could say the following. Some people only recognize Hashem lemafreya. Some people only recognize God in retrospect. When they look back at their lives and they see that everything was good. Okay, I recognize God. Everything was good. The Mishnah says, That isn't sufficient. Why stop? Recognize and praise Hashem even during the hard times. Right now, even when you think when things are cloudy, when things are bleak and you don't know what's going to be, recognize Him. Because you know, undoubtedly, it's going to be for the good. The message of the Megillah Rabotai is that Hashem always leads the world. The miracles of Yetziat Mitzrayim demonstrate that Hashem can intervene with the rules of nature when He wants to. But many people still mistakenly think or thought that Hashem isn't involved in the world on a day-to-day basis. He lets the world run on a natural cycle. Come the miracle of Purim, enters the miracle of Purim, which reveals that even when the world follows the natural path, Hashem is in complete control of the world. In the sun, with all of the revealed miracles, everybody saw that Hashem can change nature. However, people didn't know that even when the world is run by the rules of nature, that Hashem is leading the world with Ashkachapratit over each and every detail. We know that. We hope to know that. But we need to spread that message all around Klal Israel. The thought that Hashem gave the world over to the forces of nature, the stars, the constellation, whenever He wants, with a snap of a finger, things can change. This was, this notion was corrected in the month of Adar. The miracle within nature, the rules of nature were not altered. Comes the month of Adar, comes the story of Purim, we see that what seems natural for us is really HaKadosh Baruch Hu working behind the, th- behind the scenes. It's all within Hashem's, Hashem's Hashkacha. This has to be the great lesson for us. We've had a lot of miracle workers. Tonight 
is the Hilula of Harab Chida of Chaim Yosef David Azulai, a very, very special night, another man of miracles, a man that traveled the cities around Europe collecting money. This is, was his job. You will look at him, people, people, you know, at, at times they got sick of him, they threw him out of, of, of Shul. They threw him out of the synagogue, the community. Okay, leave us alone. Uh, how, how many miracles this person did on a day-to-day -day basis? Unbelievable. But we have to be zocheh to those miracles. We have to be, we have to understand that we're worthy of doing so. We have to recognize them. And that's how Mashiach is going to come to bring us the, the, the miracle of all miracles. Story brought down in, in uh, Rav Yudah Zulai's book, Legend of Greatness, on the Chida was taking a look at it today, giving that it's, it's Hilula, of a young boy, eight months old, boy born, and the Chida started teaching him Torah, Aleph, Bed, eight months, starting to teach him, unbelievable. It, 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 he was a child prodigy, this boy. And then he started teaching him backwards, all the, all the parashiyot backwards, and then he stopped. He couldn't do it anymore. The Chida slapped the boy and he left the room. That night, the boy died. People couldn't believe it. People were devastated. And at the Shiva, people were talking about, oh, well, we need Mashiach, we need Mashiach, we need Mashiach. And the Chida looked at them and says, in order to get Mashiach, you have to be worthy of Mashiach. Because Mashiach could have just been here. And people hopped, people realized that that boy was the Mashiach of the generation. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu had to take him away because the people weren't worthy. We are worthy. We have to believe that we're worthy. We have to believe that God is providing us opportunities to bring Him here. We, are, we see the stories of the Megillah. We have to totally inject ourselves with the idea and the concept that what's happening right now in my own home, what's happening outside my door is part of a large plan. The fact that I go to work every day the fact that I'm going to the mall to buy this, the fact that I buy that costume for my child, and the fact that I cannot have a very big Seudat Purim this year, the fact that Mishloch Manot is going to be different because of the pandemic, it's all part of a large miracle. Natata nes lehitnoses. Natata yecha nes lehitnoses. The miracles are given in order for us to expand the miracles to realize them, to recognize them, to talk about them, to teach our children and our grandchildren the miracles. They all know the story, but it's not a storybook. It's not a history book. If that's the case, why read it twice? It's to internalize the messages. Each one of us can find our own distinct message. It's up to us Thursday night and Friday when we open that book and you hear the Chazan, you hear the Rabbi, wherever you are hearing the Megillah this year, ask yourself the following question. What does this holiday mean to me? Where are the miracles in my life? How can I visualize them? And how can I make them meaningful? If a person asks themselves those questions, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, your Purim, this Purim will be better than any other Purim, contrary to what you think is, is going on. Because it will make an impact on you, and if it makes an impact on you, you don't know what you could be doing to a Jew somewhere else in the world. You don't know what Mordechai HaYehudi, somewhere else in the world, you could be saving 
just by talking about it, just by reliving the Nisim Beniflaut that took place. Someone else could need that miracle. And because of your review and because of your study and your appreciation of it, you bring those Yeshuot, you bring the salvation. Bezat Hashem, through that, we shall be zocher to the ultimate Nisim Beniflaut, the miracles that we're waiting for, the coming and the arrival of Mashiach, wishing everybody a Purim Sameach. All the best. Have a wonderful night. Koltuf.